Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast that aims to hold space for conversation about the ways we use fiber to process life and world events. I'm your host, Ani Lee. My interest in fiber goes back to childhood, when I'd pore over bedding catalogs and obsess over fiber content and thread count. My mother, bless her, taught me to knit at age 10, and I've fallen increasingly in love with all things fiber ever since. I started the Close Knit Podcast in 2016, and I've had the pleasure and privilege of speaking to over 50 incredible people since then. On this podcast, you'll hear from all kinds of folks who share a love of fibers, from full-time practicing artists to those whose main practice is mending their garments. I'm interested in hearing and sharing as many people's stories and experiences with fiber as I possibly can, because I believe each of these unique stories is powerful and teaches us more about how humans use fiber to make sense of the world around us. This podcast is supported by a very special community on Patreon. Pledging just $5 a month there helps me keep Close-Knit up and running by covering hosting and streaming costs and paying my wonderful editor. I cannot thank you all enough for your support, as it's what enables me to sustainably continue this work. So if you've ever enjoyed an episode, please consider pledging your support at patreon.com slash closeknit. That's www.patreon.com slash closeknit. Hey, it's Ani of Close Knit, and I am here with Damien Ajavon. Based in Oslo, Damien Ajavon is a queer textile artist born in France of Senegalese and Togolese origin. Their work explores the different methods in which textile fibers can be manipulated by hand, knotted, braided, tangled, and woven. The interaction between visual and tactile experiences has always played an important role in their process. They use their African and Western influences as a vehicle for their textile storytelling and as visual markers of their creative approaches. It is through textile languages rather than oral ones that Ajavon has been unearthing and weaving connections with their ancestry. They have accumulated substantial experience internationally that honed their expertise and technique. They learned to weave hemp, dye in cashmere in Italy, and work with feathers, felting hats, and making accessories in Quebec, pattern making, and knitwear in New York City. Ajavon grounds their practice by positioning themselves in the world through their heritage. In doing so, they put into practice their mother's teachings of African cultures and conjures artistic gestures in honor of intergenerational learning. Hi, Damien. Hi, Annie. Hi, it's so nice to have you. I I was so delighted in reading your bio. I just feel like there are so many jumping off points like directly from there that I was like, okay, make some notes, make sure we get back to this bio and we pull out some of these key pieces because there's just so much, there's so much goodness in there and so many beautifully worded things that I wanted to talk with you about. But I wanted, I think, to start with sort of where are you today? Like, where are you right now? I'm in Paris. I just got back from uh, Montreal three weeks ago. No, two weeks and a half ago. Mm. Uh, I'm hosted by my mom. <laughs> and uh, I've been in North America for uh, four years and I didn't came back. So now mm. it's my back to the <laughs> to where I'm, I'm from. Yeah. Yeah. And what were you doing in, in Montreal? What were you doing in North America? I just graduated uh, from the Contemporary Textile Center of Montreal, 
Mm. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a technical course where you learn uh, knitting, weaving, embroidery, dyeing, and jaca. It's, it's a really specific course where you learn uh, textile construction. And uh, it's a four, uh, I did it in four years, but it's a three years normally school. <laughs> Beautiful. Can you tell me more about that experience? It sounds amazing. It, it was really, uh, it was really amazing. So basically from the three years, you learn um, different techniques. So from a, a yarn, you can create fabrics. So basically uh, you learn how to weave on different kind of loom. Uh, you got the analog one, the manual, uh, the electronic ones. And then after three years of like learning everything, you go and you jump into the jacquard one, mm. which is like... <laughs> the one that everybody's waiting for <laughs> and it's uh, yeah it's uh i've been waiting four years to just jump on the jacquard loom and it was uh, it's it's <laughs> was it everything you hoped it would be <laughs> yes it's uh, it's uh, i'm sad because of covid we couldn't weave more but we weaved enough yeah and um it's uh it's crazy because you also learn uh, knitting on machines so you you learn to do like 2D swatches and then 3D. Mm -hmm. So you, you start from like uh, squares, triangles, and then you do like scars, and then you do like hats, and then you do socks, and then you do like tank tops, uh, sweaters. So it's really, uh, it's, it's, it's a really, really amazing way of learning textile construction. And after... There, you have also other module where you learn dyeing yarns mm. uh, and also you do embroidery, uh, machine embroidery, uh, crochet, pearl work. Uh, you work with pearls. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. <laughs> That's so cool. It seems like there are a lot of different sort of modalities and ways of playing with, with fiber that you were exploring. Yes, it's uh, the thing is in textile design you have two branch. Uh, mm. You have the the print and you have the textile construction. So I didn't want to go to the, the to the print before I learn how to create my own fabrics. Yeah, this is really interesting. I think like something that you're you're describing in the way that like a university or schooling sort of approaches textiles is from a very sort of like construction approach, right? It's, it's like yes. you start with this swatch and then you build out and then you make, like you're thinking about how you turn, you know, a limp piece of thread essentially into a fabric. And like, yeah. it took me a really long time of like, cause I kind of came at it from just like handcraft, you know, like I knitted scars when I was a little kid and stuff. And my mom like taught me to sew. And I never really thought about until talking to people for the podcast, the way in which what you're ultimately doing is creating fabric, right? Like mm -hmm. regardless of whether you're knitting yourself a garment, that's a full sweater or something like that. Like ultimately the ways in which you're manipulating those fibers, generally speaking, is to make a fabric of some sort. And like, there are all of these things that I had never thought about in terms of how you might want a fabric to behave or interact with your body or the wearer's body or the climate or something like that. And I feel like there's maybe more of a acknowledgement that that's what you're doing, like from the mm -hmm. jump when you start in school, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really complex and it's more complex than we think mm. 
because you learn a craft, you learn, uh, you learn something that is not commonly uh, in schools. Usually we, we learn how to like become a lawyer, or a doctor, or a, a painter, or uh, I don't know, an artist. But the craftsmanship that is like learned in technical school is to it's a totally different approach from the classic uh, uh, learning because it's technical, it's less intellectual, and there is less um, creative also because mm. it's 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 an execution and a repetition of a movement, and right. you learn it, and then yeah, for weaving, for example, it's like it's a dance, you know. You start to you prepare your warp, and then you take off your warp, and then you put your warp on your loom, and then you put every thread one by one, and then you weave. But it's the same movement, all of them. It's exactly the same. And we teach you how to make the same movement, but to have a, a specialization somehow. And I don't know why... It, I, I bought it. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> I love it. Well, I love the way that you just described it as as a dance. Like that very much dance was something that was kind of part of my early life. And like mm-hmm. very, very young, my mom kind of got me into movement. And I feel like that's so, especially with weaving, that feels particularly true. There's something about the fact that you you need to like really gesture your body quite far away from you to like set up and warp a whole loom and then to be able to like you know if you're working on a big floor loom you're kind of you know (laughs) I guess no one can see what I'm doing but yeah I'm like pulling (laughs) the air towards me with my fists you know it's this it's a really big movement but there is this sense of there's a rhythm there's almost a melody to what you're doing you can kind of find this rhythmic this rhythmic place I think that's really special yeah yeah and you find your beat too it's the same all of the craft has a repetitive thing that makes a dance. It's the same for a cobbler. It's the same for mm-hmm. someone who does ceramics or someone who does print. Just uh, when you do like, uh, how do you call that? Uh, silk screening. It's the mm-hmm. same. You put your gel and then <laughs> you yeah. put your frame. I kind of see that as like everything should be a dance, especially in, in craftsmanship. Yes. I don't know why. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that really resonates. <laughs> I'm having a little moment over here. That's really sweet. I'm wondering too, because you mentioned like you wanted to sort of start with this technical understanding of how construction worked before moving into print. Is mm-hmm. print ultimately like something you want to explore? Is that, have you done some printing? I'd love to hear more about that. Uh, I did some printing, but it was more like digital, you know, like learning on Photoshop how to make like the patterns and then to create like all over prints and things like this. Yeah. But after all of those years uh, playing with fibers, I'm totally into knitting. And uh, I don't know how to describe my passion for knits. It's something I cannot okay I, I'm a knitter but I knit on the machine I can crochet I can make some things but I cannot knit with needles right okay yeah yeah I don't know it's the sound of a knitting machine the connection that you have everything is so intense and it, it's really it's so sensitive and I, I feel like for some people are that sensitive enough to... Sometimes you cannot use your machine when you're too tired because the machine won't let you do anything and everything will fall. 
Yeah. Or sometimes it helps you out and the joy, the satisfaction, the whole process of like a manual machine that can be connected, but also like really rough and really plain. You know, it looks like a keyboard kind of. Yes. I don't know. It, it touches me and I feel it's a beautiful object and it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like I wish people could see us gesturing. You know, I feel like there's both of us are doing a lot of gesticulation because I think you're you're touching on something which I think is really the inarticulable, like it's not art easily articulated piece of why people are drawn to craft and in whether it's yes. machine assisted craft or entirely handcraft or whatever it is. It's like we don't have words for it, but you feel it, you know, you <laughs> You you wave your hands around a lot because you really feel it. And I love this idea too. I think what's really special about knitting machines from what I know of them is like the ones that you could obtain as a home maker of things or Mm -hmm. somebody, you know, one that you could afford kind of thing. Because as I understand it, it's like the ones that like do it all mechanically themselves, it's all mechanized are like thousands and thousands of dollars. Like they're just sort of like, okay, no, we're not going to go there. But there's this version of the knitting machine, which is semi, semi automatic. It like can do some of the things, but ultimately the thing that drives the machine is you kind of cranking back and forth on it. Right. This, like you say, like a keyboard and it has this like clicking sound of like, Mm -hmm. as you go across it. (laughs) And it's like this machine that didn't quite get as mechanized as other machines did or as automatic, right? It's like you still have to very much, it's like a, it is a bit of an extension of a human body because you can't do it without a human operating it, right? That's the thing. It's, it's sad because it's a machine that is so, so complex, but people don't know it enough. And it's always weird. And I feel like in craft sometimes, like, especially in textile, it's always difficult to talk about the machine without showing it Mm. because people don't get it. You can explain how a a loom works, but if the the person don't see the loom, they will, most of them don't know how it looks like or how it sounds also, just the sound, that the sound that you made, it's, you can go outside and ask like, what's the sound of a knitting machine? And the people will be like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't even know that people like generally people have a concept of like how, how a sweater that they bought from a store would have come together. Like, I don't know that that's something people have a concept for, you know? This is a fight that we can have for years and years and years. First of all, I think people don't know the difference between like cashmere and merino Mm. or alpaga or moir or cotton and linen and it's i think it is it need to start from like the beginning we should have like some courses where like yeah young kids know how to to touch a fabric and understand what is cotton and the virtue of cotton the virtue of linen the virtue of like wool so you can buy it with more consciousness yeah the way that i mean it's another time <laughs> but you know like the way people behave on buying 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 but they're not conscious about like how this material is treated how is it like ecological for 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 the earth to 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 have this kind of materials i mean for bamboo or tensile for example it's amazing the touch is great but it's toxic it's not good for the environment but mm-hmm. people love it because it's 
cool to have tencel or bamboo because it's amazing it's so like the new silk great but uh, i think right. we, <laughs> we can go on and on no totally i'm absolutely with you it's like there's a lot of greenwashing in the space because we want mm-hmm. to like create proprietary fabrics that people have to buy from us that like you know yes. it's like corporations want to profit off of environmentalism so like of course they're going to create a whole new you know i'm putting a bunch of air quotes a whole new way of creating something that's super <laughs> sustainable when like you're saying it's like we have all we have just like thousands like eons of years of of knowledge of natural fibers around the world and it's sort of this thing that i feel like you're right we like don't necessarily have the same appreciation for it i think thankfully the listeners of this podcast generally speaking (laughs) do so we're probably preaching to the choir but i feel like at least in america and i'd be curious to hear what what your experience of this has been um either in canada or in france where it's sort of I feel like in America, there's kind of a, an already there's been drawn a connection between um, the way that like an animal is treated and mm-hmm. the way that something is farmed and then like how it like food, how food ends up on your table. Right. Like there's been mm-hmm. there's been a connection made be, for between sort of farm to table dining and how that might be better for your body. It might be better for the planet. It might be better for the people involved in the supply chain. And I feel mm-hmm. like it seems really obvious, I think, to people I talk to about that that same thing applies to the textiles you clothe yourself with, you know, like the people who were involved in the process, the animals that were farmed for that process or shorn or whatever the work was. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there's just sort of, it seems obvious to me, but it's like somehow maybe the food space is like 10 years ahead of like where the textile space is. I don't know if that resonates yeah. for you in the places that you've lived. I'm just curious. In North America, it's, I think, well, it's going to be super weird what I will say, but I think fast fashion was like our common enemy for people who works with like fibers in general. Mm-hmm. But I think that they are like getting to a point where they're like more showing the consciousness that they have with their materials and the way they treat their employees. There is like now this like uh, no privacy and they explain how it works. Some of them. Right. I mean, I won't talk for all of it. Right. But uh, I, I feel like North America is, is really aware. It's, it's getting more aware about like where the fabric are coming from what is like the use for and yeah where it's from how it's how it's going to be treated and how it's going to be on you and how you're going how you're going to use it in france also i mean it's been 4 years i'm not in france but i know france as a for like small brands and like french brands they have a really strong politic about like their fabric and material where mm. everything um, and it depends from, for example, I was used, I will use, I know it's not nice to use branding, but uh, there is one, two brands that I really love from France. Mm. One is called Saint-Jean. Uh, it's it's a old, I think it's here for more than a hundred years. It's like this brand that was used for uh, from the Marines, uh, Les Marins. Um, and everything was is knitted. Mm-hmm. It's mainly Bretagne. Bretagne is like a, a, a region in France. Their craftsmanship is amazing because everything is conscious. All the wool that they use is like coming from a farm. And 
it's it's the same work for years and years and years and years and they are really open about like how they use their materials who is transforming everything all of the chain is like everything is said mm. same thing for petit bateau petit bateau is a french brand Uh, that is like it's so cute because the tag the the the, the tags are like uh, even for adults it's like from zero till 18 and even if you're an adult you can wear an 18 is like an extra large but it's still like keeping this like kid you know this That's like sweet. really <laughs> candid uh, candid uh, vibe and they also use like they are known for their cotton mm. And they have a special print that is called Milray, that is like 1,000 stripes. Mm. And it, it's special, it, it's it's made, for, uh, it's like their signature. It's like a, when you have a t-shirt, it's like you have 1,000 stripes on some of them. But they are really known for their cotton and all of the use, they're really like open about like how they treat their cotton, how it's, how it's used, who is transforming everything. They talk about everything and i think it's it's really important to tell your public in general and to make them more conscious and aware about like what they're going to put on top of them mm -hmm. it's important to know what you put on you <laughs> right i mean it's like we have laws around nutritional labeling right like we say you need to put you need to say what was in this but there's so it's so kind of obscured when it comes to yes. textiles like even talking to people who especially talking to people who are trying to source textiles in a way that is sustainable ethical you know like whatever word you want to use for it holistic transparent mm -hmm. they're trying to think about it it sounds like it's such it's so hard to actually get the information that you want. Like you can call up your supplier and they'll be like, we don't really know actually. Like there's no, there's no certification. There's no specificity around like necessarily whether every piece of, um, you know, like every fiber that went into this like Merino fabric came from the same, you know, it certainly didn't come from the same farm. Almost never does. Is that the case? You know, it's like, well, probably there was a, there were a bunch of farms and they were probably somewhere in Australia if it was Merino <laughs> and like all of that was all bailed up and then it got auctioned off and went to China. And then in China, they, you know, did what they did with it and processed it into something else. And then it went to Italy and became suiting material and then became, you know, an Italian suit. Right. But like that whole kind of round the globe tracing how that happened, it seems like it's almost impossible to like get all the information. Yeah, that's the sad part because we're losing a lot of inf information and it should be traced from the moment it's out of the farm until it's on you. It's so important yeah. to know all of this like way of like... Uh, <laughs> but I mean, for us, it makes sense. It makes sense. But I think for people who don't really care and just want nice clothes, I don't think it matters. Right. Right. I know. It seems so, it seems so obvious and important to me. We're like, I, I'm like, of course, of course I want to know these things. But like the other thing about that too is like, it isn't yet the norm. So it's not just, it's not like it just sort of happens happenstance. It's like, oh, it just happened. And I, I bought this shirt because I liked the way it looked. 
And it just so happened to like, you know, the supply chain happened to be transparent and it was a really great garment. Like we're not at that point where people are sort of like accidentally (laughs) buying stuff that's really nice. Yeah. Like, oops, I guess this was well-made, but like, I just thought it was cute. That kind of thing. I feel like we have some work to get to that point, but I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, like, I'm always wondering whether people have more solutions to this or like it seems like a university space might be somewhere where people are like yeah we've started the pioneering project where you know we were able to trace something from start to finish like were there projects like that going on was that part of the conversation Mm, I I think so I I think people are getting more aware and there is more studies about it Mm. I I'm not sure that I know about those studies precisely but I, I read a few things that explain that, of course, there is people who are conscious and wants to make people aware of what they're wearing and where it's from, because it's, I don't know, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. I loved this way that in your bio, you described like how you think of your fiber practice, sort of talking about manipulating fibers, knotted, braided, tangled, and woven. I like thought that that was a really special way of thinking about that in particular, the like tangling. I don't know. I just, (laughs) I know you've been working with fibers in lots of different ways. And you were mentioning that like knitting has really like machine knitting has really found found a space in your heart in a big way. But I'd love to just hear about kind of all the different ways in which you've manipulated fibers and and what that's been like. Alors, to start, I've been using yarn and transform them. Mm. So for the weaving, for example, it's just like you start from the warp, as as I said before, and then you put all of your, your yarn together and then you put them up and down, warp and weft, and then you start to weave and build a fabric. But for the tango, it was more about like the felting, you know? Mm, okay. The whole yeah. process of like, <laughs> you start from like a tiny fiber and you put them all together. And then you start like to put water and then you put a little bit more of like soap and then you start to get into it. You, know, you put <laughs> your hands like mud. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then you shake it and then you give it give it a form. It depends. It's funny because all of the the approach are so different and the result is totally can be the same, but also very different. You know, weaving and knitting can can look alike and cannot look alike. Mm-hmm. I will explain myself. Yeah. My last project of uh of graduation was like a a craft collection where I was supposed to create objects that are like uh, from a technique of weaving or knitting. I knitted all of my bags with the machine, but all of my teachers thought that it was weaving. Really? (laughs) Yeah, until they, they took a step next to it and they touched it and they were like, oh, okay, this is knitting. And I was like, yeah, it is. It's because it's always a 2D effect and with the pattern you can play and also the material that you use can trick people. Mm. And you can you can play a lot with that. Like creating the illusion that you are knitting something. It looks like a knitting, but it's a weave. It's it's a weaving piece, you know? 
I am fascinated because I tend to be like, (laughs) oh, I know exactly how to identify a knit versus a woven. Like that, the fact that you were able to kind of stump your teachers, like I want to know, I want to see this. I want to see these bags. I'll show you. I I, I think I sent you a picture also. Uh, But it's it's funny how the thing that frustrated me the most when I started to do textile construction is that everything is always 2D. Mm. you always make samples, you know, like right. squares. Right. Then, <laughs> you know, to learn, you have to make squares. You cannot make, cannot make round things. You cannot make triangles, square or rectangles. Uh, That's it. <laughs> yeah. And at some point, I was like, okay, but maybe weaving can have a 3D aspect. You create like a 2D structure, but you give it a little bit of volume. And then you start to like, you know, like have a more like life, fluff, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <Love> or, <laughs> and it's just the technique are so different, but you can you can use them as you can trick everyone in this game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's different for like embroidery, for example, you know, but embroidery can be similar as painting if you use like industrial embroidery and you make like this technique called sumato. Mm. It looks like a, it looks like a painting, you know, because yeah. from far away you see it and it's just like an image. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same for jacquard. Jacquard for, uh, for the people who don't know what is jacquard. Jacquard is like one of the more specific weaving that you can create because each pixel is a is a yarn so it makes instead of like making like because usually when you weave you can make like some geometric forms but like more abstract i will say and then with jacquard you can make really a face with the wrinkles with the with the brows with the expression Mm. the eyes the teeth the beard and i feel it's uh, you know it's the same jacquard can also look like a painting even though it's like a weaving and I like this idea of using those old technique of like, you know, weaving something and it looks like something else, but it, it's, it's always the same. I don't know if you, 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 did you get me? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think that that kind of, um, that kind of work of using fiber to end up in what is, what is traditionally thought of as a more fine art space. Like I'm, you know, air quotes, right? Oh, like, yeah oh, this looks like a painting, then I feel like there's this level of like societal kind of like privileging of that where it's like, oh, well that, like it's more in my definition of what fine art is. I'm using lots of air quotes here. You know what I mean? Oh my God, yeah. This like, this snobism of like art and craft. Yes. Are not as fine art. You know, I'm going to the... Uh, I got accepted to do my master's in Oslo and I'm going to do a, a master in arts and craft. <laughs> and uh, it's so funny because the department of fine art is on a part and the arts and craft is on another one. And all the time that you have an exhibition with textile artists, it's arts and craft. It's not craft. I don't know. It's I don't know why the it's put on another category, uh, and you can see that 
it's it's the same it's the same approach it's not the same work of course because it's it's not the same knowledge but the approach is the same yeah there's the same level of creativity and skill and dedication and honing the craft like i i think it's interesting because i think about like craftspeople and craftsmanship, you know, the word craftsmanship, craftspeopleship, I guess, <laughs> like degendering <laughs> that word. Like this idea that like there's there's a to me that really evokes like a dedication, a maybe like lifelongness. Like I think of a cobbler, like you mentioned earlier. I think yeah. of somebody who's maybe generationally been involved mm-hmm. in this craft, but it mm-hmm. feels and that feels good and important. Like those, those feel solid to me as definitions yeah. for the word craft, but this kind of like modern devaluing of the idea of craft, it feels like, oh, but a craft is just like a, a, a hobby. It's a thing you get a kit for, you know, it's like, oh, you're busy from your modern life and you want to take a break. So you, you get a, you get a kit so you can do your crafts, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's always, I don't know why craft is always put on a box or like on the side, like it's, it's not as valuable as like painting or like sculpture, but we do textile and to be honest, like it's, it's a form of sculpture, you know, like totally. n- knitting a sweater with needles <laughs> is sculpture, is a, is a sculpture. It's just not the same medium and not the same material, but you build from a yarn, you create like a whole structure. Yeah. So I just feel that it needs to change. And it's funny because Recently, we uh, we got uh, a bunch of friends from Montreal. We got invited to do a, a group show. And the theme was like to deconstruct arts and craft and oh. present craft as like art. And it's always difficult, you know, to explain to someone that don't know craft that it's also art. Mm. And that we also can be really contemporary and modern. I know when you talk, when, that's the thing also, because we are the young generation uh, of like crafts, craft person who does <laughs> like knitting or weaving. And I know when we talk about craft, we think about those old quilts or those old like, you know, like tablecloth or this old like embroidery and this like, you know, it's part of like the history, but there's so many young and fresh ideas and new people are using craft as like a way of expressing their self. Sometimes it's an extension of their personality. Sometimes it's like the expression of like their political value. And I feel it needs to have the space that it deserves and not to be just like craft, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this expectation that like it is only one thing and that's something that you the, you know, this person has has sort of memorialized in their brain as the way that they mm-hmm. perceive of craft. Or like, oh, well, that was the doily that my grandma made. Or that was, you know, which no doubt was like really hard to make. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of work. There's like so much work out there yes. that, that like it doesn't share my aesthetic sense, but I have so mm-hmm. much respect for because I know that that took a really long time to make and it took so much effort and patience and 
focus and just all of this stuff that I absolutely, I'm like, kudos to you person who spent, you know, <laughs> 200 hours making this doily that I don't, I don't love the look, of, but like, you know, there's, I think when you, when you spend the time working on whether it's machine or, or entirely hand, it's like, you start to understand just yeah. how much effort goes into it. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, also when you study with people in craft and that have like, uh, a different taste you know the thing that we used to say to not be like you know a little bit like condescending or something we're like oh she's an amazing craft person but she's not an she's not creative you know because mm. the execution is there and the technique is there it's not my cup of tea but it's theirs and i think we need to have this respect for like a work that takes a long time and patience and like passion and yeah and it needs to like the dust needs to go out from all of that you know and yeah. <laughs> respected <laughs> yeah shaking out the dust feels like the right thing yes. <laughs> right because i feel like there is this like air of dustiness like it's oh that's old that's like you know that it's something that our grandmothers did or you know our uh, four, forefathers or something like that <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing and there is something that bothers me a little bit as a craft person is like the people when you tell them that you are doing like textile the first thing that they ask you is like are you making clothes mm. it's a common reflection i get when i when i don't know for you but when i say i do textile design it's like are you making clothes and i'm like no i do textile art and then at the moment they're like okay but it's not clothes it's art how do you make textile heart art uh well do installation you you play with fabric, you tangle them, yeah. <laughs> you braid them, <laughs> you dye them, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think it needs to like, uh, to have a fresh air and that everybody needs to understand what is textile design and what is textile construction. Yeah, that's a really, that's a good distinction you're making. And I think like, because I come at it from this like home crafter perspective, not to belittle what I do, I shouldn't be like, oh, I'm a home crafter. <laughs> I, I craft, you know, I, I make things with my hands, but part of why I was drawn to it was that it was utilitarian to me. Like the way in which mm -hmm. I envisioned the thing working out was that it was a, ultimately going to make something that I could, could keep me warm, keep someone else warm. And so my mm -hmm. perception of like how I, you know, why I get interested in, in textiles a lot of the time is because it's like, it feels in some way practical. It's like, oh, I, you know, I can make this thing and it can, yeah, it can keep me warm through another season or I can unravel my sweater and knit it into something else. Like I recently finished a sweater that I had knit into another sweater a couple of years ago, unraveled it and turned it into a new sweater. And that kind of magic, you know, that kind of like... Yes. Un undoing redoing <laughs> the fact that that like animal fibers in particular but any textile but in particular like wool just this elasticity this resilience oh this like God. the movement you know it comes back to like it's it's movable it's always movable first of all congratulations for your new sweater thank you <laughs> I, I never did a sweater by hand and I have so much respect for every soul who does hand knitting. <laughs> 
but yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to to see how valuable that is. You know, I'm always like having this fantasy of like when I have someone that I really love, you know, I I make them a scarf. Mm. And, you know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a hundred percent. I do the same thing. You know, it's like, if I love you, you're going to know about it probably when I knit you a pair of socks or something. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. And doing this whole, yeah, make socks or like a hat or, yeah. or a bag. I don't know, you know, this, this small attention and those valuable things that you can do all your life because you have, you have this craftsmanship that you learned. And for me, it's priceless. It's like we can do something that people cannot do. And I'm really happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I, I think, too, what I, what I particularly love about fiber art, and maybe this is just true of anything you get really interested in, but it feels to me like fiber and textiles just are endlessly interesting. It's like, yes. you can weave, you can knit, it's you can spin. Like there's just, the more you kind of look, like peel back the layers, the more layers there are. It's like, yeah. even if you feel like you already know how to knit sweaters, let's say, you might want to learn how to knit the right kind of yarn that would create the fabric that you want for the sweater. Like, it's mm. just this like, it's like, you know, it's like endlessly interesting. It's amazing because from one yarn, you can create so many texture effects and structures that gives to your sweater something so different. And it's just one piece. <laughs> but you can make it look like so many, you can have like million lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. And it's so bodily. It is all, all of it does feel like a dance. And when you were talking about felting, I was thinking about how in particular, like wet felting is such a, mm-hmm. it's such a bodily experience. Yeah. It's really, uh, it's really rough. You know, it's a, uh, especially when you have to give the structure at the beginning, you know, it's like, it's a little bit fluffy still. And it's, it's really like tender, soft. And then you have to like make it rough, make it rough. <laughs> you know roll it roll it and then pitch it in the in the sink one time ten times hundred times and then you start to have like a structure and you're like not enough and then you go again and you roll it you roll it you roll it the yeah felt gives you a satisfaction and it's so good for like releasing the stress releasing the the tensions as you're saying this i'm like maybe this is the new ver like this is the new craft i need to take up because it's been something i've had a lot of interest in like i mm-hmm. felt is one of those ones felting is one of those ones where i feel like it's like just on the tip of my tongue to understand how to do it in a way that like aligns with my aesthetic sense and i go on the internet and i'm like i just can't quite find <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like again really respect your process yes <laughs> <laughs> but felt has a special spot like it's <laughs> the dust is still there <laughs> i agree but it's really funny that it, we're talking about this because i have one of my best friend beatrice uh she we graduated uh together this year and she gave uh, a new vision of felting she created those like little sculpture animals that are so cute called Le Mano. It's like about her childhood and everything, her imaginary friend. That oh. She made them with felt and she gave 
a new vision of felting and it was so contemporary so fresh so many colors and it was so nice to see that felt is not because she used this technique called nuno I, mm. i'm sure you saw it yeah yes yeah yeah <laughs> yes and you know when you go on pinterest and you you put feutre nuno felt nuno felting you see things that you were not ready to see <laughs> respect still the technique <laughs> it's really beautiful in a way <laughs> i guess <laughs> i'm sorry no this is just i you're killing me because this is exactly the thought that i have when i literally go on pinterest and and type in nuno felting and apology <laughs> the nuno felters of the world we love you uh, we, we love you very much <laughs> <laughs> we do I, it's a technique that i had i had to learn when i was in quebec because this lady like was doing all of those you know that we saw on pinterest she was doing those scarves and we'd like the, she was uh, bringing saris silk saris from india and we were oh. like inco incorporating like pieces into the felt it was a whole universe and it was super interesting to learn the technique And Beatrice did something fresh with it. She used this technique that we usually see on like scarves and like hats and something like more um, for a public that is more um, older, I would say. And she made those really funny sculpture, you know, yeah. and it looks super fun and super. And who who knew that we can, as you said, we can use something and create something really different and The combination can be like millions. Right. It's just endless. I love, I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up because I, I, I dream of Nuno Felting, something that feels like pretty to me. Like I have this, <laughs> this idea that like, oh, maybe, maybe like a, a really gauzy light silk that's undyed with like an undyed animal fiber. Maybe there's a way that that could work. <laughs> Again, I still haven't quite figured out how I would execute that. But it makes me so hopeful to hear that there are people who are, <laughs> who are like, yeah, I took that technique and that that class. Like I saw someone who had the technique down, but aesthetically we didn't drive. And then I turned it into something that was like, you know, just really exciting. Yeah, yeah that's mm -hmm. that makes me so happy. It's amazing. And also, you know, we always think that we have to put silk or something, but you can also use just fiber and your structure can be wool. Oh, okay. So You can knit your wool and then incorporate your fibers, your and then you can felt on the wool and then it becomes nuno. Because nuno um, is just like incorporating. <laughs> that's blowing my mind. I literally have like because I thought it was just it had to be a piece of like silk fabric. Nope. Okay, yeah, this is important. I'm really good. If we all learned nothing from this conversation except for this today, we are all better for it and better for it. Oh, that's so cool. That is just so cool. Yeah, so you can you can have so much fun with you know you you will see like uh, incorporating like vegetal uh, flowers everything that you want. <laughs> oh, that is just so cool! Oh, that's amazing. So I'm I'm curious. You you've just been accepted into this program. You haven't yet started it, right? No, not yet. Oh, so exciting! What do you? Yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about what you're gonna, what you think, what you hope you'll do, maybe. <laughs> oh my God, I, uh, it's a, it's, it's a long way because I never thought I would go to uh, university uh, first, and then I just COVID came, and I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna follow my guts and just like apply to a master program in textile. Why not? Mm. <laughs> 
And I was wondering, like, I was like, maybe London, but London is too, like, you know, Central St. Martin or Royal College of Art is like, it's cool, but I wanted something a little bit atypical and with all the machine that I dream of, a small mm. place. And I remember a friend of mine told me that Scandinavia is a good, good space for art in general. And uh, I saw this academy. Okay, I heard, I, I really hope that the people from my school will never hear that or otherwise my bad at the beginning i was so condescendent about the school i was like oh no i don't want to apply those because i wanted to apply to gothenburg in um this program called textile and movement mm. it's like text uh textile body and space which i got also accepted in but oh. i will decline the offer <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> and then i i applied last minute the last day i rushed everything it was just like oh yeah like who who knows and then they were the first one who gave me they gave me the answer like the day after they were like damien we want you in <laughs> just like oh my god how life is so funny i was dissing the school the program the website i was like nah, yeah yeah and then suddenly it's the school that is like so cool and the teacher are amazing and everybody is like so welcoming and i'm like uh uh-uh. See? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, I feel like it's interesting, right? Because right before we started recording, we were talking about internet friendships and how sometimes internet to real life is like a quick, it, it's obvious. It's like, yes, this makes sense. But I feel mm-hmm. like there are instances still that like, you know, maybe we're not giving them the benefit of the doubt that like, you know, maybe their website's a little out of date, but maybe they're great in person. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Because the I wanted a, a school where the textile, um, the knitwear department was really, really developed because I want to use like industrial, semi-industrial and analog machines. But I also want to do a lot of jacquard. And the list of this, this, the material was not there, the machines, and I was just like, oh, it's weird. And they don't, and usually schools are like, oh, we have all of those machines, you should come because it's the best and you're going to have the best. And I was like, not convinced. And then after all, like they have everything that I need. And I just feel like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the IRL might like slap me again in the face. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm really thankful and I'm really grateful that uh, this experience is like coming to life and that I'm going to Scandinavia to do some jacquard in the middle of Oslo. <laughs> so cool. That sounds like such a dream. Kind of. Uh, I never. I've been once in Scandinavia, and I don't have any um, memories of it because it was a boozy weekend. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Scandinavian can be really wild on the weekend because it's the only moment that they drink. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, because they're really like you know, it's a Nordic. They're really, 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 really good on the week during the week, and then the weekend it's the apocalypse. <laughs> interesting <laughs> they know how to party hard <laughs> that's gonna be fun that's gonna be that'll be a fun experience to be able to have the surroundings of like deep focus and the ma- machines that you're excited about during the week and then maybe a little space to like you know yeah <laughs> just sort of jazz hands. yeah we're jazz handing that's what we're doing here <laughs> sparkle to sparkle yeah, on the weekends just a bit yeah because yeah. this experience will be really interesting because it's uh the my 
thesis will be about like protection. Uh, I, I work a lot with protection. How can I like translate my storytelling and all of the things that I, that I feel protect me? Mm. And now, you know, it was more, my technical school was like more doing like samples and thinking about it slowly, but the reflection was not pushed. And now I will have two years to just like create things, build more than like squares and rectangles, you know, yeah. <laughs> like huge things, objects, sculptures. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm super excited for you. I think that just sounds, I mean, it sounds like you're, you've, you know, you've got like the technical background now and you can really explore the sorts of topics that you're interested in. Like, I wonder, I know your mom is in the room, so I don't want to put her on the spot at all or put you on the spot about talking about her. So no, no pressure here. But you mentioned sort of in your, when I introduced you about learning about your ancestry and sort of this intergenerational learning and your, your African background. And I'd love to hear more about just more about that you know being a, a, a young black senegalese uh, half senegalese half togolese growing up in france it's really like you lose a lot of your origins mm. but my parents were like really focused on us being aware of where we're from you know we learn our our dialect from senegal since i'm five i'm speaking with my mom you know she's like speaking to me in wolof the the, the dialect is wolof Mm. we eat the Senegalese food, we went to Senegal, we know the family, you know, like all the tradition, all the talking, you know, it's like, it's part of me, even though I'm like from Paris, you know, and right. and it's, for me, it was really important because I knew where I, I was from and I was more, and I'm more closer to my Senegalese part than my Togolese part. And both of my parents were, my, my dad was really comfortable with that. And he also speaks well off and he's also like super comfortable with that. And we also know the Togolese part. But the, the, the Senegalese culture is really rich in so many levels. But what, uh, what touches me the most is like how the protection come up all the time. You know, it's mm. like a nine, yeah, it's like a 90% Muslim country where there is a lot of like uh, relica, rituals, objects, things, story, like mystery. And it's it's all about the folklore, the African African folklore, you know? And this excites me so much because, you know, in Occident, in, especially in France, the school, the it's really like, I don't know how you say like in English. It's like a like is like this word that like there is no religion that being that should be shown in school and it's like a, right. it's really neutral and you know so I can talk with that I can relate with my like diasporic friends where the, that from Africa or like from, from North Africa or like uh, Africa East Africa or like all over like Africa but I can it's weird because I cannot really speak to that with my French friend you know yes <laughs> like yeah. the, the the, the thing that like the little sentence that you have to say to protect yourself or, you know, I, I, I wear a lot of henna. Now it's like almost done, but mm -hmm. I wear henna all the time. So I'm known for my orange hands usually. <laughs> and it's something that I, I do because I, I live far from my family most of the time. And it's like a way of protecting myself from the evil eye from the world, you know, like because mm. I'm me, myself and I, and it's, 
I'm not against the world. It's not what I'm saying, but it's just a way of like feeling more like protected for myself by mm-hmm. myself. And I, I feel that it's uh, it's really important for me to keep this like traditions and this like uh, this heritage, this cultural heritage that I have and that I will like keep and give also because I feel like it's something that I learn. I give and I share and I will do that with my with my kids if I have some or the kids of my sister or the kids of my friends you know and I try to do that with like my textiles you know I need socks but my socks are protect you from the cold for example or I need to a scarf so it protects you from the cold but it's like also made with love and care and attention and I think this whole little gesture that you can give to someone and just tell them that they feel protected is i don't know it's always like so nice like when someone gives you something it's like oh it will protect you and you're just like oh thank you (laughs) that that's that's exactly what i was thinking about as you were talking was that like that textiles have this sort of unique sort of like shielding in some ways like you say like mm-hmm. not necessarily from the world you want to be you want to be within the world but also also we all you know we're all human and we all do require protection and protection feels yeah. sweet and and like you know clothing literally protects you from like the elements but there's this kind of this kind of like armor effect sometimes of like maybe you wear like with your henna you wear your henna to protect you you wear a garment that makes you feel safe or powerful when you need that extra little bit of shielding or protection it's really sweet yeah i'm i think it's important but you know i i have an obsession with socks <laughs> You do? Tell me more. I I collect socks from all of the designers and I have them from so many fabric and colors and type. I just, now that I know how to make my own socks, it's just crazy. It's, it's, you know, people like buy bags. I just like buy socks when I feel sad, when I feel happy, when I feel, I don't know, it's just a way of expressing myself and just like, I like to wear my socks and be like, yes. (laughs) this makes me so happy socks are the best thing ever and I didn't like I never really I had like a few pairs of like my cotton colorful ones but it wasn't until I started hand knitting socks like I thought I was like why would you ever hand knit socks my feet are gross that sounds like a lot of work yuck 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 like I just didn't get it and then I knitted a pair of socks and I was like oh my god I get it now oh my god yeah it's crazy when you knit your first pair of socks you hooked 100 percent. and I feel like I don't know I've never hand like hand cranked you know hand machine knitted a sock but I, mm-hmm. I feel like the th- something that's really interesting about socks is that there's, there's sort of sections where you don't have to think, right? It's the same yeah. thing for a while. Like the top, the whole top ribbing, same thing. And then Boom. you get to the, yeah, you get down to like your heel turn and you're like, okay, now I got to do some brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this part on the knitting machine is a little bit tricky i don't know for the hand knitting but (laughs) i'm sure yeah it's it's like once you get the hang of it it's all right but it is a part where like yeah you know while i'm knitting my socks the the i don't know the ankle part like i could watch tv or something but (laughs) when i have to turn the heel i'm like oh time to close the computer time Uh to focus up yeah exactly exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah, satisfying 
It's amazing. And actually, it's funny because I started to do a, a, a collection of socks with one of my good friend, Alice. And uh, it's uh, we started to do like some prototype of like paper socks. And the project is called Correspondance. I, I, I think it's the same word in English, no? Correspondence? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. I will be living in Oslo and Alice, live, uh, Alice lives in Montreal. So... I will knit the socks and she will cast them in Montreal and she will send them or like sell them. I don't know, but oh, it, <laughs> this is so sweet. it's so cute. Yeah. And just the idea of like sending paper socks by mail is just. <laughs> yeah, this is killing me. That's the sweetest thing ever. Yeah. And uh, she uh, actually, Alice is one of uh, my, is, she's, uh, we studied together, but we didn't graduate together. And she does like some bustier and some lingerie in like oh, cool. paper. Oh, very cool. This project uh, with like correspondence came up like. At some point, she was like, we should do something together and we merge our universe. You know, Alice is really like this really like coquette. She, she and I, I just loved it. Both our universe, Berluette and, and mine, just like merged to like build socks. It was yes. Just perfect. Best <laughs> of both worlds. <laughs> That's the sweetest thing. It also makes me feel, I've been having like a time trying to figure out existence offline but still feeling connected to people like I felt so grateful that Saba introduced me to you because yes. I was like I really I want to know about people and you know like the internet makes it really easy to do that particularly like Instagram and stuff and when you're not using it it's like but what do I do <laughs> how do I find people <laughs> it's crazy there is like as we say the combination in textile in Instagram and all the internet is like <laughs> there's <laughs> of option but it's so funny because I met Saba on Instagram and we I think we met right after I was talking to this girl from Warp and Web and uh, right after we started to talk a bit and then I was like whoa because Saba does like crochet and I was just like I want one of her pieces like one of one of those pieces and the idea of protection when i received because the we we did the trade so oh, i yes <laughs> my heart i weaved i weaved a piece for her of my signature i i do a uh, spanish lace on weaving so it's like this idea of like 3d coming out from a 2d structure was like exactly like what i wanted to imagine and like build you know and yeah she sent me a color palette and then, then then from the color palette I created this whole weaving and then I sent her my color palette and then she made me this amazing top and I was just I don't need to wear it to be honest I just like open my wardrobe and see it and I'm just so happy yeah trades are the best thing they just make me so happy it is especially in our community I think it's important for us to trade and just i know it's like the work has a value but for us as like craft people we, it's fun to just like trade exchange have i don't know it's like it should be so much fluid right um, I totally agree. And I feel like it's like this interest, like, you know, we can appreciate the amount of time that it would have taken somebody to like the effort they had to put in to make this thing. Whereas mm -hmm. I think, especially if you're making garments and stuff like socks, like 
you'd have to price them in such a way that it would just feel really hard to sell and really uncomfortable. And anybody outside yeah. of the, out of like the textile community would be like, I don't understand why you're, this is priced this way. So that, ex- mm-hmm. that sort of reciprocal exchange of like, you spent 10 hours working on this beautiful top and I spent 10 hours, you know, you know, more, I'm sure you guys spent more time than that, but like there's <laughs> a pair of socks or something like I spent 10 hours working on these socks. It just sort of that reciprocal exchange of just like time for time feels really sweet. Yeah. It's, and it's so humble also to like share your craft, your knowledge and yeah, to give it to someone else that gives you something in exchange. And I don't know, and it's, uh, it's, uh, we should, it should be like this. Yeah, <laughs> <should> I trade. <laughs> I so agree. Every time I do it, I'm like, I need to be doing so many more of these. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, I can only knit so many socks. <laughs> Slow down here. Well, I am so, so glad to talk to you today. Um, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Same. Thank you I'm, for joining me. Yeah. <laughs> I thank you for having me. I I'm so honored, and it was my first time doing a podcast. <laughs> oh, well, I'm honored to be the host of that. That's that's so special to me. Yeah, thank you so so much. Um, I I I loved so much. I'm so happy. Me <laughs> it too. Made, it made my day. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. The Close Knit Podcast is hosted by me, Ani Lee. A huge thank you to Andrew Bruce for writing podcast theme music that makes me genuinely smile every time I hear it. And giant thanks to my amazing producer, Amelia Harubi. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash close knit.